Lexus Absolute Rally, powered by the Kielder Works team. Cordless tools tailored for the world of motorsport. Hello everyone, welcome to Absolute Rally, episode 5, season 22. Or, if you prefer, episode 250 of all the podcasts that we've ever made. This is episode 250. Just let that wash over you for a second. We did put something out on Twitter the other day, but nobody gave a damn. Um, so I thought I'm going to make a big deal here at the top of this one. There's 250 episodes. Ryan Champion, I can quite categorically say to you here and now, because you've done most of them with me, there won't be another 250. Oh, you say that now, but you never know. You never know. I know well, I, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be here on the 250th, um, even if there isn't a 500th. I can't see how there'll be 500. Well, you know, everybody will be on hoverboards and everything by then and going around in like tinfoil coats. Yeah, that's true. We were just talking about it's bad enough trying to remember back to when we started rallying now. So what yeah. about by then? How relevant are we going to be? Well, one, I don't think we're relevant now. No, so that's true. That's there's true. no change there. One person who I thought, even if we did 500 episodes, would still look young and fresh-faced is um, our, our, the other person who's with us this week. Uh, Seb Marshall, hello. Hello, Tony. Hi, Ryan. It's great to have you here, although I'm going to now put a caveat in. You've always been the same age to me from when we very <laughs> first met. You've always looked, you've been timeless, right? Up until last weekend when the camera flashed on on the dashboard and you were sat alongside Oliver. And you've always looked Oliver's age to me until that moment where I went, oh, my God, Seb Marshall's a man. I've aged quite dramatically in the face <laughs> of the week. <laughs> it really did. You've always been that fresh-faced young man, boy, whatever, from when we first met. Well, Get, 12, careful, just yeah, careful. 12, 13 years ago, whatever it is, right. And you've always looked at, you know, we have this thing where somebody always looks the same in your head. And then all of a sudden there was like this light and shade, this comparison where I went, compared to Oliver, he looks quite old. Um, and you said something at the end of the first stage, and I, I like the fact that I'm sure WRC Plus did it on purpose. Um, there was a little chat at the end of the stage, and we all like hearing the little chats. But I think Oliver had been quite hard on himself, and you just settled him. First stage, first stage, you're all right. And I thought that was lovely. I, I thought that was it was it was it was the right thing to say, and I'm sure you said it a million times to other drivers. Said, but um, first stage, how was it, and how was Oliver? Um, yeah, it's funny how there's often debate about whether the co-drivers push a button to turn off that uh, that sound on WRC Plus. But I can categorically say it just depends on the car and it's not the co-driver. But, um, but no, um, yeah, I mean, I think, like you say, Oliver was, was quite hard on himself um, at the end of the, quite a few of the stages, to be honest. Um, but as, I, as you mentioned, I just had to keep reminding him, it's, it's stage one. You've done... You know, now you're up to stage four. You've done 100 kilometers in this car. You can't be expecting to be, uh, you know, be absolutely bang on the pace. And yeah, I mean, okay, he he had that initial kind of rah, angst, and then within 10 seconds, by the time we got to the stop line, saw the time, and started chatting to the stage end reporter, he was like, ah, actually, yeah, that's pretty good. I'm happy with that. You know, please learning this kind of thing and. And I think that's the, the, the thing which impressed me the most about his his approach last week was just, my goodness, he's a fast learner. Um, you know, he, he didn't have that much of a pre-event test. From what I can gather, it was quite, uh, a, not technical, but slowish road, road. There weren't too many fast corners, which 
is where the WRC car really comes into its own with the aerodynamics. And, you know, from the first run at Shakedown, it wasn't even every stage. It was almost every corner he was learning and just thinking, ah, I can, this is how to, the car's going to react or how I can get the most out of it. And it was quite phenomenal to, to watch, to be honest, both from, from outside on the TV and, and from inside the car too. Now, obviously, it was a it was a bit of a last minute call up for for you to be there. It was Oliver's first event in in a, a WRC car. Um, what sort of preparation time did you actually have together before the recce? Yeah, I mean, it, it was very limited. Um, uh, like I said, of, of course, Oliver did his his test a couple of weeks before the rally, um, which meant that we weren't able to sit in the car at speed at all until shakedown. Um, which yeah makes makes things a little bit interesting. Um, we went out and did some practice recce literally the day before the main recce started just found a road went up and down a few times to learn this is what his pace note system is i'd of course watched some onboard videos and he he was sort of then adapting to you know my voice and telling me you know, how, how he likes to have things read and yeah it was basically you know a day spent together before the recce started where we were just chatting through things and procedures and yeah, so limited preparation, it's fair to say. Not not ideal um, for, from either side in that respect. Um, but yeah, okay. Oliver certainly had the, the harder job than I did in terms of whilst I only had to adapt to a new a, a new driver, um, he had two new things to, to deal with. Um, so yeah, I think he, he, it was not a huge amount, but but I think we made the best job that we could of it. Uh, we we've been chatting obviously about the. Tierraville situation a little bit recently, and we talk about uh, how a driver has to get used to a new core driver. Uh, what about the other way around? How easy is it for you just to jump in with a different driver and uh, and go to the event without any any time in the car together? Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting point actually. Um, I mean, you know, cl- clearly every driver has their own unique pace note system. Um, now, I was fortunate that Oliver's was similar, shall we say, to, to the ones that I've used with with Chris Meek and, and Hayden Patton in the past in that it's a one to six, six is fastest. But then that kind of is almost oversimplifying things. There's there's lots of nuance and, and detail that every driver has. And, and, and even kind of what what is a, a three left to one driver might be something different to the other. Um, so it, it did take some getting used to, um, I'll be honest. And finding that kind of rhythm with the notes, um, certainly how long certain corners are, you kind of get a sensation for it with, with other drivers. Um, and yeah, that, that took me a bit of time. Um, and of course for Oliver as well, he was writing these pace notes for the first time with the WRC car in mind. So there's another element there that, <laughs> that makes it a, um, a, a difficult process for, for him to think, well, ah, I've called this corner as, as yeah, he said in an R5 car, it'd be a slight break in, in fifth gear whereas you can hold it almost flat in sixth in a wrc car um it's crazy little stuff like that that uh yeah it makes it a big job for both sides of the car um and yeah it's certainly uh, if i watch the onboard back i might might think oh you know i wasn't too good there but clearly it was uh good enough shall we say to, to guide uh, to guide him through the stages fairly fairly quickly <laughs> Well, absolutely, and and as you said, with with modern uh, WRC and modern World Rally cars, it, it isn't just about driving the car. Obviously, the the pace notes are a crucial part of that. And you've just you've just touched on it there for for Oliver. Not only did he have to get used to driving this car, but he had to get used to how his pace notes uh, worked at a, at a much higher speed. But inherently, they must have worked pretty well. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, there's times, of course, I mean, you have it with every drive where you, you kind of glance up from the notes and think, how on earth is this possible? <laughs> yeah, it's defying almost physics, it feels like, with the aerodynamics on these cars, particularly on those kind of stages that we had in, in the Arctic Rally. They're so, so fast and real, you know, top speed commitment um, using the aero and the center diff to the, to the maximum. Um, and yeah, the way that he was able to almost recalibrate. So obviously he made the notes on recce as they were for what his knowledge was at that time. But then he'd learn on shakedown on stage one. Ah, okay. Well, actually I can take a three plus is actually, I can take it faster than I normally would. And he just then sort of reset his, like I said, recalibrated his, his mind to think, okay, that's that's what the new the new normal is for the this kind of uh this kind of note so it was very impressive the, the way he was able to um adapt so quickly to, to to the sort of change changes that he'd encountered seb is there is there any is there an easier surface to kind of jump back into a world rally car again or is it one of those surfaces where you uh, obviously if you're going to go quick anyway as we all know it was a very very quick rally is is there is there an easier or a harder surface to just jump back into a world rally car when you've you've not been in one for i'm guessing it must be is it nearly 18 months since you've been in a world car it's not far off yeah catalan year 2019 was the the last rally you know, did in the, in the wrc car um it's a, it's an interesting point actually um it's one i thought of as well that certainly I would say snow is perhaps for the co-driver. It maybe doesn't make too much difference. Okay, tarmac's always more intense just because of the speeds and the, and the grip, and it's all coming at you so quick. Do you, do you know last week, Trev? Sorry to interrupt. Trev was saying last week about recalibrating almost your, your backside and the, your bodily sensations when you one because you stood on snow and ice outside and you're slipping and sliding and then getting your brain to understand that the car's not going to slip and slide like that and it's got this ultimate grip and it's almost like that resetting and and when you haven't been in a world car for such a long time as well you know there was quite a lot with all due respect you know you're an incredibly experienced guy who's been around world championship for ages but for 18 months out of the car and then to have a new driver and that sensation of snow and ice and slippiness and then getting in and trusting not only a new young driver but also the fact that these cars are going to hold and they're going to grip and everything else and you know it it makes sense in your brain but ultimately there'll always be that little doubt i'm guessing that recalibration that you have to make yeah i'd be i'd be lying if i said uh, it was easy and there weren't a few nerves before the first uh, the first um stage certainly it's like you say kind of sort of recalling what what's actually possible um because i mean even you know if you've been in the cars regularly competing on, on snow and ice is, is kind of quite different to, to anything else. Um, just that, that sensation of the car floating, but having that maximal grip. Um, but I think from, 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 you know, a driver's point of view, perhaps a snow rally is not the easiest. That's the wrong word, but perhaps the kindest event to start on. Um, because there is that margin for error, um, with the snow banks. You know, you can afford to, to carry a bit too much speed into a corner and, and you, you know, will get away with it or just have a light spin. And as, as we did in the power stage, um, yeah, you, you try that, that kind of style on, on tarmac and it's not going to end in quite the same way. Um, so yeah, I think there are, there are things that make it slightly more straightforward um but also you know it, it's it's quite a, a unique challenge at the same time as well i i, I wanted to say as ever we always jump around here there's no rhyme or reason because we're just 
chatting as we do. Julian, Julian posted a great piece with, 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 um, Callie Rovan Pair, uh, on, on the, the preview show. And it was talking about himself and also talking about Oliver as well. And, you know, years ago, you know, drivers, you know, were really considered to be, you know, world championship drivers by, by the age of 30. And there's a right, a passage, um, and, um, you've now, you know, you, you went through JWRC and you went through obviously, you know, IRC and ERC, you know, in junior categories and stuff like that. But hear yourself now with a, you know, a young man that is kind of bypassed that system. Um, obviously opportunities created because of the name, but with that also brings the weight of expectation and everything else. What, what are your thoughts on, on kind of almost bypassing that kind of that junior section now and going kind of straight into these cars with these young men? Yeah, it's um, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, clearly, there are there are many different ways to to achieve the same result um, at the end of the day. And okay, for the likes of of Calais and Oliver in particular, they've they've been driving since almost since before they could walk, not quite, but you know, they they've been in the cars and in that environment since they were. You know, six seven years old um i guess in much the same way as you know for formula one drivers they start karting early for, for these guys they've been in a cross cart or you know on a quad bike in a buggy doing all sorts of things just getting that natural feeling behind the wheel um and i think one of the things that, that struck me was for for oliver he he said after his test that in some ways the power of the car didn't surprise him um, it was the the aerodynamics that was took a bit of getting used to, and obviously he was fortunate enough to to drive the, the rallycross cars, you know, six hundred brake horsepower monsters. So he's already kind of quite comfortable in that environment, and I suppose that's where he's been fortunate to be able to shortcut that kind of learning process. Um, yeah, a lot of people jump into a world rally car and are mind blown by the the, the power of things to start with, but with that already being quite normal to him it perhaps meant he could focus his attention on, on other aspects. And I think, you know, clearly there, there is still, you know, there, there are only a handful of people who are able to experience and build their, their knowledge in that way. But the majority of people, it is a case of, you know, you start out with two-wheel drive and then progress to, um, you know, a Rally 2 car and, and do WRC 2 and 3. And I think that's, um, you know, that kind of pathway is still very valid. And, you know, We've seen it's worked for for plenty of other drivers, and I think still will in the future. Um, almost, if nothing else, but by virtue of the fact that there's not many people that will have those other opportunities available to them. It's, does it feel when obviously you, you you sat alongside and obviously in and around and and listening to feedback, I suppose, to engineers and stuff like that? Is it is it is it an old man in a in a in a in a young body, so to speak, because he has been around so long? Is it is it surprising to hear such a young man probably give so much information, say, to an engineer or whatever it may be, you know, whoever it may be? Do, 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 do you get where I'm going with that? I do, yeah, um, yeah. He's certainly very very switched on when it comes to to setup and. And what he wants from the car, and okay, that's from, like you said, from living in that sort of motorsport world for for all of his life, basically. Um, and you know, it, it's fair to say he is his father's son. I think, um, you know, both in terms of we've seen a few pictures of driving style with you know mouth open <laughs> behind the wheel, and also when it comes to you know his pace notes, very similar, his sort of technical feedback. Um, yeah, it's no surprise really, um, given given what he's he's grown up with um so but yeah he, he certainly 
to have that level of experience and, and confidence as well, really, as a 19-year-old was is, is quite um, quite something. Now, it was a, an incredibly successful weekend all round for uh, for Hyundai. I mean, we, we previewed the event last week. We, we thought, being uh, Toyota's home rally, that they get the opportunity to test a lot from uh, from their base on, on snow and ice, that, um, you know, the Toyota would be the car to beat. But uh, not only, uh, you know, was uh, was Oit dominant, uh, Thierry went very well, Craig went very well, and, and yourselves. Um, why do you think uh, the Hyundai worked so well and and, and Obviously, why do you think it was maybe better than, than Toyota? I think we understand Auger's uh, situation, but um, it was maybe a surprise that Hyundai was so quick. Yeah, it is a bit of um, a bit of a, a, a perplexing one, really. Um, you know, traditionally, obviously, we've seen that the Toyota is incredibly strong on on, on its home roads, um, and they have got the advantage of being able to test almost ex- extensively with no limits on 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 the sort of the fast finish stages. Um, well, okay. I mean, you look at snow rallies in the past, and it's not like the Hyundai has ever been miles off the pace. You know, Thierry managed to win in Sweden a few years back, and and the car is is not bad. And I think also the, the developments that they did last year, um, in particular, you, know, you we only got one really fast event last year with with Estonia, and it's fair to say Oi dominated that one. Okay, perhaps a home advantage, but. Like you say, Craig was very strong there in second, and you know, may, uh, I think there's probably an element that those fast, you know, high-speed flowing stages are not, you know, they're obviously they're different, but they're not too dissimilar in terms of the, what's required from the car um, that you found in Estonia vis-a-vis what you had in in the Arctic, and so yeah, I think whilst they Toyota perhaps um, enjoyed a, a large home advantage in the past, that's probably been eroded, and the gap is. I don't know whether they're level or whether one's slightly further ahead. Okay, there's always mitigating circumstances, but I think it's just one of those. The development race, um, you know, has has worked well for Hyundai in the last year. And tell us a little bit about the, you know, the the team that you were with, how what that relationship is with the World Championship team. You were the the two C competition team, um, and you know, how was the car in comparison to the factory cars, and and how do they work alongside the factory team? Yeah, so obviously it's um it's a satellite team that's running uh, Pierre Louis Loubet um, for the whole championship and uh, and for this weekend they were they were also running running us. Um, there we were actually in the the Hyundai test car, um, so it had most of the latest developments, but not quite all of them. It was missing some of the aerodynamic features that they've they had on the factory cars, but by and large for the rest of the it was sort of up to spec. Um, so okay, that's that's always a nice um, sensation that you're not on the back foot before you even begin. Um, but uh, yeah, I think you know working with the team, it was an engineer that I've uh, worked with in the past, so that that made it quite straightforward. Um, yeah, I mean everyone at this level is very professional in what they do, and obviously being supported by the works team with with certain things as well, um, technically and, and logistically. Um, yeah, it's it, it's a, it's a thoroughly uh, professional setup and and you know from my point of view it didn't really make seem that much different to, to anything else i've experienced in the past at that level this is absolute rally whether it's the pressures of service or an issue out on the stages it's vital to have the right equipment to hand kielder cordless tools are tailored for the world of motorsport and are being used throughout all forms of competition Go back to the future with the Kielder Works team. 
Welcome back to the next section of Absolute Rally. Believe it or not, we did all our predictions last week, and I'm sure you, you were too busy to, 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 to listen to our pre event ramble. Um, but um, we had everybody round, round the table, so to speak. So we had Trev, Jack, Ryan, and John Desborough. Out of all our predictions, and of course mine were there as well, who do you think were the closest to the results? Oh, no, you're, you're right. I haven't got an advantage of having listened. So, yeah. Um... Ultimate make life easy for you, and it's it, it's staggering when you look at statistically John Desborough, because he predicted you that you and and, and Oliver would win. Tanak <laughs> would be second, and Elvin Evans would be third. I mean, is that the closest anyone got? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Oh, it's pretty bad. We yeah, went down but, the Toyota route, Oliver's. Yeah, 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 yeah. We were, we were. It's almost like we'd had some kind of backhander. To be perfectly honest with you, when you look at it statistically now, Seb, it was, yeah, we were so far out. And um, John's predictions were very much um, heart lot head, whereas we tried to overthink it. And John went with the, um, you know, the the romantic idea that uh, you guys could come in and win. But obviously that didn't quite happen. But, you know, where you ended up and where the others ended up, he was far closer than any of us. Well, well, I suppose in some ways, isn't that great that, what, you know, you were treated to an exciting rally that belied all the predictions. Nobody could could have anticipated. Well, maybe not nobody, but you didn't quite anticipate it as uh, as it panned out. <laughs> no, absolutely not. It's eleven years. Um, I'm going to call you Sebastian now as well. Ooh, um, ooh, I know. Do you know the reason why? Right? I've never ever. It's never crossed. I know this sounds like a stupid thing to say, and I say loads of stupid things on podcasts. But I've it's never never come across my bars to even contemplate calling you Sebastian until I decided to have a little look on EWRC.com and you're Sebastian <laughs> yeah. on there. I am, yeah. Yeah, it's almost like your parents got in contact with them and went, actually, we christened them Sebastian. So I think you need to update your records. Um, but it's 11 years since you did your first proper winter rally uh, in an R2 Fiesta. And it, it, was, it was Sweden. Now, I'm guessing... If it was 11 years ago, Sweden was still very much operating as a proper winter rally. Obviously, more recently, the reason why we've ended up, you know, with Arctic Rally Finland was the fact that, you know, Sweden's been suffering with regards to lack of snow and stuff like that. You know, in, in comparison, um, you know, did it feel like uh, a winter rally of yesteryear as a co-driver? Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, I was just thinking, gosh, Sweden 2010. Now that was an experience. Um, but yeah, it did. I mean, the conditions there were, I mean, it, it's a, a cliche, isn't it, to say winter wonderland, picture postcard, all these kind of things, but it, they were fantastic. Um, I mean, it actually, despite the weather, it warmed up quite significantly. Um, on the fun, Saturday and Sunday, it was hovering around zero, actually. Okay. The roads were still frozen by and large, but, it did, uh, it did mean it was a little bit perhaps more comfortable to be stood outside chipping ice from the, the wheel arches uh, between stages. But, um, yeah. Oh, the I glamour. Mean, oh, the glamour. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, the, it's one of those curious things, which everyone does it, this um, cleaning the ice off the car. And there's times where you think, in two kilometres, it's going to be exactly the same again. But anyway, it makes you feel better. It's a psychological boost for the driver. So you, you do it anyway. Lighter the car's lighter. I used to know a well, guy... I used to know a guy who used to polish his rally car the day before the rally because he was convinced it went faster through the air. <laughs> well, True maybe story. he was onto something. He could yeah. have been onto something, Tony. Did he beat you? Um, I don't think he did. 
He thinks oh, well, he did. Rubbish, but, yeah, it's absolute, it's absolute it's nonsense. It's I left mine like looking like it had just been dragged through a bog. So, um, so yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, but Seb would do that. You see, marginal gains. So yeah. David Brailsford, you know, he he would tell you probably to polish your polish your bike before you go out on it because you go a bit faster through the air. I bet. There's there's all sorts of little tricks to be you can uh, you can do certainly, but um, but no, I mean you go, to, 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 we've digressed a bit there, haven't we? But um, <laughs> that's the norm, Seb. Come on, you should well, know better. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, you're, you're right in terms of um, yeah, this did feel like a, a proper winter rally. Um, I mean, I, I, the, the, the kind of crime in some ways, the sad thing was for for Rally Sweden. Speaking with Oliver, who obviously lives, you know, within 50 kilometres of the stages, um, apparently it was just perfect conditions there this year, which is, uh, yeah, cruel for the for irony for the Rally Sweden organisers. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, okay, I'd be interested to see what happens next year now with the uh, with the Winter Rally and the WRC and where 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 we end up. Certainly, the the Arctic Rally Finland put on a great show, and I don't think anyone would be uh, disappointed to go back there. It, just a quick one on that. It's funny though, this, this warm front obviously that we've had in the UK that made it to the Arctic, it, it hit Sweden as well. So it was actually four or five degrees on, uh, on the weekend in Sweden. So, um, you know, things warmed up very quickly there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to have to ask, um, you, I've, I've, again, I was thinking about this. Obviously, way back, some of the other drivers that you've sat with over the years. Um, and I'm thinking, for instance, you know, when you sat with Molly and, you know, obviously her mum's background and stuff like that, obviously, with all due respect, not quite the same level as obviously what Oliver's got with, with, with his mum and dad, so to speak. But, um, just how prevalent was, 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 was dad around the, the service park? Oh, I mean, it, um, they, they come all three of them together. It's, it's family Solberg is team Solberg and, uh, Love it. you know, um, they were there every every minute that we were we were in service and you know Penilla helping out with with sort of the food and stuff to go in the car and you know making sure we were all looked after in that sense um which i think she did a lot when uh when pet was rallying oh sorry in, in rallycross um sort of being team manager in that sense um and petter of course very supportive of, of, of oliver you know discussing setup and how, how interpreting how the car's feeling so yeah it was it, it was a full full family effort, and uh, it's, yeah, it's nice to see. Absolutely, is it? Because I could imagine from a, a team management point of view, of course, you know, we all, you know, we we, we all joke about you know parents, you know, you know, dads going to watch the kids play football, you know, being the football manager, or you know, all all these things, you know, does it fall under kind of a Darmo, um, you know, even though you're in a satellite team, or was the the day of management there that obviously kind of have to manage Petter, I suppose, as well, because there's got to be an element of that. <laughs> no, I mean, I think, um, yeah, okay, Andrea Adamo obviously gave Oliver the opportunity, and he was the one that was essentially calling the shots for, for all of high-end motorsport, and I think, I think he, said, he said himself, ah, you know, Petter, you were easier to manage than I expected, so, you know, there was no, <laughs> no issues there at all. It was, um, you know, a very... Uh, very straightforward straightforward weekend from uh, for Andrea's point of view with uh, looking after us so um, yeah it was uh, but, all good back at High and Die as well of course which is a team you've been around you know pretty much when they came into the World Rally Championship obviously there was the, the flirtation for a year with Toyota um, uh, did you feel you know is, is it a fair fair question to ask how much has the car moved on I guess from the last time you sat in one yeah, I mean, it was, it's funny how uh, there's a lot of things that came straight back to me. So, ah, yes, seating position is like this. That's where those buttons are. There's a, there's a few 
few switches and panels that have, have changed place, but fundamentally it was uh, as I remembered. Um, yeah, okay. It's perhaps not possible for me to really compare how it's developed technically. Um, yeah, the only thing from my side was, you know, like I said, where the buttons are really. Um, it's so, it's crikey. What was it? Rally Australia 2018 was the last time I was in the, the Hyundai. So, yeah, I mean, clearly we can see from the times on the stages and this kind of thing that it's developed a lot. But uh, from my side, not not too uh, not too many differences. But interestingly enough, you'd actually sat in that car quite a lot before as well, hadn't you? Back in twenty seventeen. In terms of the uh, that actual chassis was one that you used quite a lot with. I'm I'm on EWRC as well at the moment, so I'm going to click and see what. Yeah, it's look at look at twenty seventeen. Uh, You'll be surprised yes, how I'll... many times you were in that particular car. Four, five. Maybe oh, yeah, six, my sixth time in that car. Ma- maybe, th- maybe that's what it is. Said maybe, maybe when they kind of sat down and looked at what chassis was going, well, Seb Marshall's got to sit in it. He always sits in that <laughs> one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there you go. It, it, it's 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 forever to be known now as the Seb Marshall chassis. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've probably got my name on it more than anyone else, haven't I? Yes, definitely. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so there you go. Um, uh, did you get an Adamo hug? I, I I got a couple. Yeah, one of the, one of them was I was conducting an interview at the end of the rally. <laughs> it was it was like I was nearly rugby tackled. I wondered what on earth was going on, but then it didn't take long to realise ah, there's only one person this can be. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, it's uh, it's almost. I know the answers to the question, but obviously, as we joked about before. You know, it is nearly 18 months since you've been in a World Rally car. Obviously, it goes without saying, it's whetted the appetite now, Seb, to, 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 to be back around it, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to be back in that environment and uh, catching up with, uh, you know, some familiar faces from the past. And, of course, you know, being on the, on the, on the events and in that kind of car is it's a, it's a special experience. And, um, yeah, we'll uh, see what the future holds right now. There's nothing, nothing planned, but... Um, yeah, okay, it's it, it's nice to be back in that environment and uh, watch this space, I guess. Cool. I, I, does it feel like there's a, there's a change in the guard? You know, because, you know, at the, the end of this year, obviously, um, we've got, you know, the, 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 the what we call the 17 cars it, w- w- will be phased out and, and gone. Obviously, Sebastian Auger is going to retire. Um, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with regards to futures of other drivers and things like that. I, we, we mentioned before about younger drivers becoming to the fore a little bit more now. D- does it feel like this, this year is kind of the end of a little bit of an era? Um, I know you're not, it's the first time you've been on an event so far this year and it's very, very early on, but even to you, you're a rally fan and you've been around it for such a long time. Does this year kind of feel like this, this is the end of something? I guess so. I mean, okay, there's still a huge unknown about what what these cars next year are actually going to be like in terms of the visuals, in terms of the performance. Um, until what, any of the manufacturers start testing them, we're all a little bit in the dark, I guess, aren't we? Um, but notwithstanding that, yeah, clearly this is the, the, the final year of, of these regulations and it is the, the, the peak that they've been since well, in terms of the speed, at least, it's the fastest the rally cars have ever been. Um, so it, it, it's certainly a privilege to to compete in this era. Um, you know, it's, it's the Group B of my generation, I guess, at least. Um, and yeah, in terms of the drivers as well, yeah, obviously we've we've know that Seb's on his final full campaign. Other drivers, certainly, you know, we we spoke earlier in the in the podcast, didn't we, about 
Calais and, and Oliver are 19 and 20. And I don't think it's suddenly going to shift that, you know, you've got to be under 25 to be in these cars competitive. But yeah, the likes of Danny Sordo and, uh, and the, these kind of guys, there are, you know, perhaps towards the end of their careers or certainly close to the end and they are the start. Um, and it, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where it, it develops from here. Um, you know, it looks like Adrian Formo is being lined up at, uh, at M Sport and, and a few other young drivers coming through that are, uh, you know, providing a, an exciting future. Um, but okay, I guess you've got to put an asterisk against everything and, and see how, how the whole package develops drivers uh, and cars and, and hopefully, you know, we're, we're all longing for, for more manufacturers as well. Now, it's been a, an interesting year so far for you because uh, you, you went um, from uh, or you were in Finland in the in the cold of Finland in the in the lovely snowy conditions. But you just come back from um, from chewing some dust in Qatar. So uh, quite a contrast. Yeah, it was my um, ended towards the end of January. My first time competing in the Middle East, actually. Um, I had never never ventured over there before, and Chris phoned me just after Christmas, I think it was, to say, you know, I've got this opportunity to go to Qatar, see see how much NASA can uh, compete us by, and uh, and yeah, I thought, wow, sounds like a bit of a yeah a, a new experience, something in, fun to try. So yeah, I, we headed over there, and okay, it didn't quite pan out as we'd hoped. Um, I had some mechanical issues after damaging the radiator at the end of day one but um it's certainly a, a unique experience competing yeah, on those kind of stages um like nothing that i've experienced before uh i think chris obviously was coming to it fresh off uh, of completing dakar and he said it's just like dakar with pace notes because the, <laughs> the, the there is a road but it's it's extremely poorly defined it's so vague and uh if you go into it with that sort of traditional rallying mindset of you know this is the road it winds its way around the mountains or through the trees or whatever it's almost quite makes it quite challenging um quite difficult because it's not at all like that it's just sort of barren land that's so there's a fence in a kilometer and a half that you've got to drive around not quite make up your own mind to get there but follow this vague vague path through uh, through the desert essentially so there's certainly a different style to to driving there, um, which you can't unlock on your first visit. Um, we got a bit of an idea of how, how to be competitive and go up against NASA, but, uh, yeah, perhaps that was ultimately led to our unsticking as well. Yeah, I was actually going to going to ask that. I mean, obviously, some of the stage times were very good, but NASA just has a, an incredible wealth of experience in, in the Middle East in those conditions. And, uh, and I guess that, you know, that uh, comes into its own, really. Yeah, he's not uh, he's not a fifteen times winner of that event for nothing. <laughs> it's fair to say. Fifteen times, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, it, it, Chris is quite uh, quite keen to go back now, having experienced and learned what he did this year. To because I think you need that knowledge before recce, so you can go and perhaps explore, shall we say, the the best lines to take on on the stages, and and, and once you really understand how that works, then you commit to the pace notes on those lines, and and really. Uh, yeah, extract the maximum that you can from those stages. Seb, um, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna take you back to the cold for a second, actually, because something that kind of struck me. We had we had Elliot on with us last week, uh, who just finished the test, obviously before the rally, and then I can't as as I was looking at results and stuff like that over the weekend, and then uh, it, it kind of struck me that um, I don't remember the last time we had so many 
British co-drivers in in kind of the top line seats. You know, you, you obviously you, you were in Hyundai. Elliot was in the Ford. Dan was in um, the Toyota, and of course Scott Martin uh, in the other Toyota as well. And I was just trying to remember the last time that would have happened. And again, I'm surprised nobody else has kind of picked up on this, but that's you know there isn't a lot of seats around, and to have four up there, and of course, you know, I've got to be very carefully with regards to Paul Nagel before I get into trouble. But you, you, you know what I mean, don't you? That that must be that must not happen for forever. It's yeah, it's it's certainly a, a good point actually. Um, I hadn't even thought about it as well. I mean, I, okay, I've I've been fortunate when I've been competing in the last three or four years to always have Dan or Scott or like Paul, like say, okay, English speaking um, guy there to chat with. But yeah, the fact with Elliot there now with two at the top, top end. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it is quite, I'm quite a unique situation, I guess. And we're, we're, there's probably more British and Irish co-drivers there than any other nationality. So yeah, it's nice to see. And okay. Um, yeah, I guess it, it proves that, um, yeah, there's still a lot of talent sort of in in the British co uh, co driving scene and driving, I should say, but uh, well, particularly co driving. Don't, don't worry about drivers, Jesus. Don't worry about those I'm, guys. I'm going to look after myself. I'm not. I was just about to say. Well, I'm, I I always have this thing in my head. There's kind of like the co drivers union. It's always joked about with regards to goalkeepers in football. There's got to be a co drivers union. There's got to be some kind of you know, because, you know, uh, to, to, to do that job, I think you've got to be wired up a certain way anyway. So I'm sure there must be some common ground that you'll all find. Oh, 100%. You know, when, when, when we've got these uh, bigger gaps on road sections or chatting after recce, we'll always, you know, congregate together and catch up and, oh, you know, have a whinge about this person or why, why have they given us that much? Why have they given us that much time on this time control or making it go that long way around? Um, yeah, there's, there's certainly a, a sort of, you know, we're all kindred spirits in that sense. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, so I think we're, we're going to call last weekend the resounding success across the board, not only obviously from your point of view of, of and, and from Oliver's point of view, but also from the event point of view. Um, we're hoping we're going to get a bit more of a, in inverted commas, normal real rally championship. You've been around it, as I said, so many times. Just how different was it in, in the current climate of, 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 you know, of, of, of travel and teams and stuff like that? You know, I'm, I'm guessing it's all just bubbles and things like that. Is, is that how it works? Yeah, I mean, it's, there's a lot of things that are the same. Um, but of course, yeah, there are, there are more restrictions in places of, you know, clearly we, we've all had to do lots of, Lots of tests and lots of lot, lots more paperwork to fill out. Um, yeah, existing, like I say, in these bubbles, uh, perhaps more. You see it more from from the co-driver side. Yeah, you know, we we don't interact in the same way with marshals and the time cards now. It's all done by yourself, and they show something through the window. Tire marking and refuels all kind of handled quite differently now because you're mixing bubbles there, but trying to maintain your distance. And yeah, okay, it's. There are things which perhaps make make it slightly more um, more work to do, but if it's if that enables us to compete in these difficult times, then it's a you know it's a compromise worth making. Um, and certainly, yeah, I think it, it's impressed me how how they've managed to, to run some of these rallies, uh, given that all the, all of the things that are going on. And um, yeah, I feel quite privileged to be able to, to still. Okay, it's, it's it's for work, but at least you're still you're still travelling um, and still able to, to to get out and, and do your job. So 
I'm guessing now, just moving forward, your little overnight bag is just going to live behind the front door. <laughs> yes, I have my license, will travel type thing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was uh, it, like I say, it was, it was a, a very good weekend for for for, for everyone. I think um, the rally and Oliver, of course, was phenomenal. But um, yeah, from my side, it was nice to be able to. To, to jump in at the last minute and help out, but um, yeah, I think you can add a super super sub prefix I, I, to my I, name. I, <laughs> you know, joking aside, um, it must be it must be incredibly satisfying for you because obviously you, you you've you've worked with several teams now, you've worked with several drivers, as, as, as many people know. To 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 be the go to in these situations, you know, is it dare I say a younger version of Derry Shiraday? There you go. Yeah, another man who's, who sat with with Oliver as well. Yeah, perhaps so. Um, yeah, I was hearing some interesting stories about Denny as well from uh, <laughs> from from Oliver over the weekend. So, yeah, I mean, okay, it, it's it's of course quite um quite a nice thing, like I say, to, to get that call. Um, it's obviously very difficult and unfortunate circumstances. I felt very sorry for for Aaron um, Oliver's you know regular co-driver who uh, of course wasn't able to, to take the start. It's, Imagine it was incredibly frustrating for him to, to miss out on that opportunity. Um, hopefully he'll be uh, back back before too long. Um, but uh, but yeah, it, it's uh, you know I think I approached it very much as you know the phone rings. This is my job. You've got a job to do, right? Okay, and uh, do all the preparation and the best best you can with it. We need a Superman suit, and the S stands for Seb or Sebastian yeah. in this instance, not Super. Although you can be Super as well, Super Seb. There you go. Mace, thank you um, for, for 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 joining us, and thank you for um, making me feel even older over the weekend <laughs> because I've now realised that you've you've finally grown up. So um, so it's at this point uh, where we're going to say goodbye to everybody really because this has been this week's podcast so thank you for being our 250th episode first and foremost Sebastian I'll give you your thank full you. title it's, it's been an honour to be to be invited on such a prestigious occasion it is it is there won't be 500 Seb don't worry so we won't be getting you back for the 500th one uh, Ryan Champion I know you're a busy boy you've got stuff to do as well so uh, thank you for joining us this week for this special episode with Seb Thank you. Good to be here, as we said, for the 250th episode. Now uh, we've just got to work out uh, what we're going to do for the next 250. Um, I'll leave that one with you because I think I've pretty much filled the first 250. Maybe everybody's a bit sick of hearing my voice. Maybe. Maybe the onus falls on Ryan Champion now. Or even Seb Marshall, to be fair. Seb, you know, <laughs> bit of podcasting. Bit of podcasting, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, no, mate, listen, congratulations again. Well done. And uh, thanks for joining us again, folks. Uh, that has been Sebastian. I can't, I can't call you Sebastian. I can't. That has been Seb Marshall. That has been Ryan Champion. I have been Tony Simpson. Thank you so much for the download. Keep spreading the love. Keep spreading the word. We'll be back same time, same place in your little podcast hole next week. Absolute Rally. Powered by the Keel the Works team. Spread the word and download the podcast every week. 